Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first edition of the Copcast podcast brought to you by World Football Index of the season. We've been pretty quiet, actually. Um, nobody's really wanted to do a podcast, and that's the truth. But I've uh, managed to get a full panel tonight, a very, very full panel, to talk through just recent. Uh, events and, and where we stand uh, going into two weeks before the season. And first up, we have in Belfast, we have our resident ITK, Neil Devlin. How are you, Neil? All well with you? Doom and gloom? How's things? I was fine until you called me an ITK. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of, you know, we, we don't expect to hear very much from you in this podcast. Could nothing, nobody comments. <laughs> yes, that, that, the life of an ITK. So we'll stick with our Neils uh, in Berlin. We have uh, Neil Patterson. Neil, I haven't spoken to you in fucking yoinks. Um, you've been away all summer. How's things with you, my man? Ah, dead on, dead on. Just got my head short a wee bit for the football there. Busy with kind of summer things, whatever, but sort of, yeah, it's coming to that time again. We're not far away, so uh, time to start uh, chewing the fat again. Indeed, I'm flitting across to Scotland. We have uh, Ali Thompson. Uh, I'm sure you wish you were in England, Ali, but how are you tonight? I'm pretty good. Gideon, fellas, how we doing? Oh, this is new. Don't be asking them that. They'll be taking liberties. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you how shit everything is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad whenever we're having to ask each other questions in an intro. Uh, but and lastly, but certainly not least, we have Dave Dunning in Belfast. Dave, how are you again? I haven't spoken to you in eons. How are you? Yes, I'm good. Thanks. Just fairly fed up reading shit on Twitter constantly. But apart from that, I'm grand. Uh, just stay away from it. Notifications and messages only. It's, it's, it's the way forward. Well, listen, I think we'll start with we, we lost in the ID Cup today. Now, you know, obviously, pre-season tournament. We've, we've been there before two years ago with Dortmund. We were there with Barcelona last year. We whipped Bayern Munich uh, last night. But we didn't win the tournament. But certainly when the first team are on the pitch, and I'll come to you, Neil Patterson, on this one. Certainly, we're looking like a decent prospect. I know it's pre-season, but don't want to read too much into it. We need to keep our feet in the ground. You know, I, I was fairly impressed with yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it was an impressive performance. And obviously, Bayern Munich are, um, you know, some some degree of pedigree. So you can sort of see it as, as a point there in a marker that we're, we're heading in the right direction and, and things are um, are looking good as far as the first team goes. I think, I think um, the extra pace... Uh, and the addition, well, particularly with the addition of Salah and, and his goals and what he offers you and the way he plays the game really adds a, another sort of dimension to us, really. I think that was noticeable. I think Moreno had a great game as well. His pace on the wing, uh, on, on the left wing, really, it's such a difference, like, isn't it? Not having Miller there. When, when Miller played tonight, <laughs> every time, as usual, coming back in on the right, play, played well there last season and stuff, but it makes him makes a massive difference having a back who's who's happy to take on a defender and can go both ways and will make a the third man run or will make the running behind uh, for the cutbacks and, and things like that. It's, and has a left foot. <laughs> so all those things were excellent last night, I thought. And generally the preseason's been positive. Even tonight, like you lose on pens and it's a it's a fairly 
Well, it was all right at times, the, the game, but it was fairly... Um, fairly well, a very, very different test. You know, you're a very well-organized yeah. athletic side there, Neil. Absolutely, and it was pretty attritional at times, as as athletic like to make it. We, we did well enough. I mean, I, I don't know what you think about the pen. Like, um, it was a contact there, but it was... Uh, he went down he went down in stages, definitely. Um, but to lose on penalties in, in a game like that, it's not really... It's not a big deal, is it? You don't lift the trophy, but sure... Who cares? It was a good workout. There's a game now that uh, I believe most of you are going to, or at least half of you are going to next week, and then um, or on Saturday night even, sorry, and then uh, the season starts Saturday week. So yeah, we're getting into it, and we look we look in decent shape. But I think as we're going to come on to talk about in, in the second part or later on, like we've still got uh, still got some gaps that need filling. No, indeed we do. Uh, Neil Devon, yourself, was kind of surprised at this uh, Alberto Moreno yesterday. Look, looked on a, on a different level. I know it's pre-season and whatnot, but for a man who's been sort of benched for a full season, uh, do you think do you think he came back with something to prove, or maybe maybe you know the fact that he's playing is he now in the plans? And there was there was talk of him moving. Can can you see him staying? No, <laughs> I just think <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> I, I want him to stay. I, I have no problem with Moreno. Uh, I just don't see... When Klopp's made his mind up, he seems to have made his mind up. He seems to be a stubborn type. I think the only think reason... the shop window then? Yeah, well, the only reason he's there at the minute is because nobody wants to stop up the 15 million. But as I was saying to you earlier, he'll get to that point in August where people will need bodies in and they will pay that. And I think he'll be away. But Chief's right. He just offers such such a different dimension to what... Uh, Milner offers it's it's even something as simple as the fact that he is an out and out fullback and Milner is not he's got a left foot Milner doesn't has to keep constantly coming inside and just slows it down slows it down and the notable part that everybody thought about our game last night was speed 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 and you can have all, you can have all the fast paced players in front of you that you want but if Milner's going to keep having to cut inside and slow it all down it all becomes irrelevant doesn't it I don't think he'll stay I'd, I'd really love him to stay uh me and, me and Ali were discussing before the match started that Moreno would be in my starting 11, purely because he is a fullback. Robertson could come in and be fantastic, but I just don't know enough about him. So I think, at present, he is our best left-back. And for me, Do you not feel with a, be- with a better left um, centre-back beside him, maybe that changes things? Because yeah. it was a thought that sort of jumped into my mind. It's completely just a thought out of randomly out of the blue, Neil. But, I mean, you know, say we had a Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> Jesus, I, never, I shouldn't really be saying that. You know, all, all of a sudden, Moreno's defensive duties don't seem to be as, as much as the, the error-prone Lovren. Because if you if you think about it in the way that we play, when we're going forward, what happens is Chet, the two centre-backs split, Chan comes back. And the fact that we have Lovren there covering the left-hand side, he's a fucking cabbage. And then what happens is Lovren loses his man, Moreno's caught upfield, which is the way Klopp wants him to play. He wants him to be upfield. And then it looks like Moreno was supposed to be back and everybody gets on Moreno's case. And I was, we were having a discussion in our WhatsApp group last night about good fullbacks and things like that. And I know Dunning doesn't, isn't a fan of Moreno. And as I was saying, Danny Alves is considered one of the best fullbacks of all time. But he can't really Going defend. Forward. Yeah, but he can't defend. And that's because he was, a, he was in a team who never gave the ball away had Busquets sweeping everything up behind. If we if we had a proper DM or proper out-and-out midfielder there to sweep up everything behind other you know, I think it'd be absolutely perfect. And he is the modern fullback. He's everything you want your modern fullback to be. He's seen Marcelo considered one of the best fullbacks. Going forward, fantastic. Danny Alves, 
Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba can't defend for shit. Have you ever watched Jordi Alba? And you see now that in Barcelona that Busquets is getting on a bit and is starting to lose his powers. Barcelona aren't the same team because it was all centred around that. And now that they've lost their midfield of Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta, they're getting caught out more and players like Jordi Alba look very ordinary. And I think that's the same thing with Moreno. He was brought into a team who didn't suit the style that he played and we still never... We seem reluctant to buy that DM player until we buy a DM and a proper left-sided centre-back Van Dyke, hopefully. Moreno will never work, but it'll never. I don't think it's his fault, per se. Exactly what we wanted when we signed him. Definitely. He, we, we wanted the attacking left-back. We wanted the one who was going to, you know, really be there for the one-twos around the box and really be the attacking, not the plotter. You know, that that's exactly what we wanted. That Rodgers team was was supposed to be all about speed and fullbacks were meant to be dead important. It was meant to be about penetration, you know, one-touch play, getting in behind the defence quickly, breaking quickly. And we got him. And as Neil said there, we never had the players to put around him. And it was noticeable as well. I'm not going to open up the whole Sacco thing again, but he was far better when he played beside Sacco. He was never never as exposed and he, he was far more effective. And we were we were much better. When those two played, we had, we had, you know, we had a decent left side. So it's not his fault. He is the player that we we looked for. He's what we scouted. He's what we wanted. He has proven to be that. But we've never really, um, we've never really managed to take advantage of what he offers us. The litmus test is if you look at the opposite side of Klein. Klein is better defensively than he is going forward, and everybody's grievance with Klein is. Once he gets to the edge of the box, all the attacks break down because he's not that good going forward. So that's to show that if we did the same on the left-hand side, I've got to get in a player and just solely concentrate on being defensive for going we're forward. Gonna have it on both sides. We're going to have it on both sides, and we're still going to have problems. There is it doesn't exist this fullback in everybody's mind that can go blistering forward and then come back and defend like Brazy when they get back. It doesn't exist. And you've got because it's not a it's not a factor in the modern game anymore, Neil. No, your fullbacks really defending's not part of the skill set. It's all about what they bring going forward. Defending's barely a skill set for centre backs these days. Fair point. In a way, it's sort of evolved. Sorry, but just to jump in on a bit of a tangent. In a way, it's sort of the evolution as well, isn't it? Because you don't get you don't get as much wing play in the same way that you used to. So going up and down with your with your winger with your opposite number isn't isn't as much of a factor. So the game's kind of evolved. <laughs> So fullbacks have, have been asked to do more in, a, in an attacking sense. If you look at that goal, the second goal last night against Bayern, that goal doesn't happen with Milner because if that's Milner, he has to check back and cross. Whereas Moreno can take, can take the ball yeah. on, can take that flick from Mane on the run, blast it across goal, and it, and it, it ends up in the back of the net. That doesn't happen. Mane doesn't even do that flick for Milner because he knows that's not going to happen. It just yeah. changes how we play. And then, did you see the other ball? He ran up the pitch on the run and put in a brilliant ball and Salah just missed it in the near post. That doesn't happen under under Milner. And we're, yeah. we're all about the breaking. We're getting the ball high up the field and breaking. That's what we're supposed to do. And with a do. proper left-back, we could score that goal or that move could be repeated at end of this season. Like, Yeah, he will get you more goals than he'll cost you, definitely. Well, here, look, we're, we'll stick on the full-back side of things. Um, you know, we, we signed uh, a young lad from Hull. Ali, he's a Scotsman. A couple of cameos there in the uh, in the preseason. I, I've been fairly encouraged by what I've seen of him. I know uh, Grant 
uh, Grant Yendo, who, who edits for us, is over the moon with him. Thinks he's a great player, great prospect. Certainly, from, from what I've seen, I, I'm, I'm sort of wanting to see more. I like Robertson as well, um, not as much as Grant. Um, the best way I can put it is he's Scotland's second best left back. Now, what does that really tell you about a player when he's Scotland's second best? But your first one's pretty good as well. If I'm yeah, really he, up and he coming is, prospect, he's, he's great. The Liverpool fans who are all clamouring for Robertson hate Moreno. There's not much difference in it. I would say Moreno's probably a wee bit better going forward, and Robertson's only slightly better defensively. But again, he's used to a system where he's got centre halves who are who are not world beaters, but they're just trained to to a system where they see ball, kick ball, at least competence, and, and they don't well they, they don't they don't leave spaces. Like in, in Lovren's defence, we leave a lot of spaces because we're so far forward. But how are they doing that? Robertson's the perfect counter-attacking fullback, as Moreno probably would be in, a, in a, like a whole team, you know, where everything's so compressed and he's only then making the breaking runs. As much as I like Robertson, I don't know all these people who hate Moreno. I don't know where they're going to see the improvement. No, indeed. And, and Dave, yourself, you know, on the left-back position, because it, it, it's something that we've harked on about for, like, for too many years about left backs, and all of a sudden we seem to have, you know, Moreno coming to life, albeit preseason. Uh, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. And and now we've got this kid in. What, what's your thoughts? Well, it's, it's the old Liverpool curse, isn't it? The left back position. It's been around for more years than I care to remember. There's no denying he looked he looked fantastic last night. Um, he, he really did. He looked like the player that we thought we'd sign. And my issue with him, with him isn't going forward. And I, I, I get that we, we ask a lot of fullbacks these days. I absolutely do. I think the position itself is a misnomer because to call that position a fullback now, it, it makes no sense in the modern game. But positionally, he's as bad as Lovren is. Again, similar to Lovren, his decision-making defensively is poor. And I feel that, yeah, for what he does give you going forward, it's great. But there's just not enough in his game defensively for him to cut it at the level that we are looking to, to fill squad places at. You know, we, we can't deny it. We're, we're starting now at this point to look at a higher calibre of player. And it's shown by the players that we've been interested in and the, and the signing of the Salah this summer. So I'm, I'm not advocating Robertson either. I don't know enough. Of, I don't know enough about the kid. In an ideal world, you want Klein and Moreno just meshed together and, and giving us the, the best out, the best out of the both of them. But you don't get that. You know, Moreno's as bad going backwards as Klein is going forwards. So you know, you need to find some kind of happy medium, happy medium somewhere there. You can't continue with that lopsidedness of both full-back positions and ultimately their, their individual skill sets as well. No, I hear you on that. And, and listen, I think what we'll do is we'll move forward. You know, we, we've every single one of you have talked about the need for a, a competent partner, really, on the left-hand side. And, you know, this Virgil van Dijk thing, we, we've, everybody knows the saga. There's no point in, in reviewing it. Neil Devlin, as it stands today, you know, the deal is still alive. You know, my, my own belief is very much, I think this one will happen. We got we got Salah in, not without problems. Every time we seem to go for a transfer, there seems to be hurdles that no other club seems to face. We uh, and and it's really difficult to put your finger on where the, the you know this connect come from. But you know we we truly do need this player. We really really do need it. And we have spoken in our group about you know if we don't get this done at this moment in time, this transfer window is a disaster as it stands today on the second of August. Most definitely. <laughs> Uh, we've talked at length about why are we the only club that seems to have these problems. 
And as I've said numerous times, because the most significant signing we could have made was a director of football, and we still haven't done it. I just can't, I can't fathom why somebody like Monchi goes to Roma and we're not getting involved in that process. But then people say it's maybe because they clashed with Klopp, Klopp wasn't like it and all that. But if that's the case, then Klopp's not really the problem there. Klopp's the problem. Klopp worked fine on Zork, yep. Yeah, it worked with Zork. Uh, when we got Klopp, what we should have done is, if we've done our homework properly, what we should have done was got both of them. And if we didn't get Correct. both of them, we should have signed Klopp and a direct football at the same time so there wouldn't have been that hissy fit that Klopp could now come up with. I'm hearing that Van Dijk's done. Everyone seems pretty confident that it's done, it's going to happen. But it's been that way for, for weeks, Neil. You know, sorry to butt in, but, you know, it's become tiresome. It's just get it done already. You know, we're, we're, going, into, we're going into a season in two weeks. And in two weeks as well, we have a, a Champions League qualifier. We need we need the squad settled. Yeah, but he wouldn't be he wouldn't be he wouldn't feature in that though. I mean, would he? He wouldn't really be likely to. He hasn't played a, what a competitive game since. since yeah, January. but he could have Neil. He could have. You know what I mean? If this if this debacle hadn't happened, and as I said to you pre pod, if it hadn't have been you know the, the the leak of the story and what I've got a feeling, my gut tells me that it'd been something else. But maybe, as you said, Southampton wanted to, to drag this one out and, and sort of put us through the mill on it. Maybe they are resigned to the fact that he's gone. That certainly seems to be the story coming out of coming out of their camp. You know, fans quite openly saying that, you know, the club's resigned to selling them, the deal's done. You've heard as well from their side. Um, and it seems that, that those are all the noises. So then it leads you into thinking, why is it taking so long? So, you know, somebody obviously has something to benefit from that happening, obviously Southampton going through went through a bit of a takeover uh, scenario this summer. They obviously changed manager again this summer. Um, we obviously kind of pillaged them every year as well. So maybe this is their their kind of right. Well, you know, you've got this is this is the last time. Like, or, you know, is it a pantomime? Is it all orchestrated? What's you know what's so really going on? We pay handsomely, to be fair. We do, we do, and we've paid over the odds for certain players in the past, and we're going to pay a, a you know a premium to sign Van Dyke, and hopefully he'll be worth it. But I don't know. There's some reason for it. It's as somebody said on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. It said it's like if Asda started giving off that he kept going in and buying their donuts. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't get Southampton's grievance because we are giving them massive amounts of money. We're giving them more money than their club's worth in the last, I don't know how many years. We could have bought Southampton already. But it, well, how many know, times have we financed their first team over? I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But it's all politics, as you say. And we've heard in the background that it's all about how Southampton want to paint a picture of how they tried to stand up to Liverpool and how the player made it difficult went on strike and they really had no other option. And there was a couple, a couple of weeks there where everyone started to freak out again because things started to come out and people were worried that we were going to go down this fiasco again of the club has leaked something and it's going to scupper the deal. But it seems to be fine. It seems This seems to be like, we, we discussed this, what, two or three weeks ago and I'd, I'd said to you guys that this is how Southampton wanted to go. They want Van Dijk to go on strike. They want this. They want this whole narrative to go along and they want to control the message. And that seems to be playing out exactly the way that it was said to me a couple of weeks ago. So that's the only reason that I'm confident about it. But this sort of, this window is so all over the place. It's hard to kind of, you can't even be 100%. You know, like in the past, you could have been 100% because you knew it was happening. This year, you just can't do it for some reason because Kaida was happening and then no, it's not happening. 
But there's people on Twitter that are saying that it's going to be done by the weekend, but that's... You said that last week too. But it's, <laughs> it's not true. It's not going to be done by the weekend. I want to fire across. You mentioned Nelly Keita there, and you know, officially we are out of the race to sign him, Dave. But there's something about it with with maybe the lack of of alternative targets and Plan B. It's nothing unusual for us that we never have a Plan B. But there's something that's not very terminal about this one. You know, you don't feel this one's at an end yet. No, I was saying earlier to you, it it makes it makes no sense for for this to be playing out the way it is apparently going to play out. Because one of, essentially one of two things is going to happen. Either we sign him for $75 million-ish this summer or Bayern sign him for $48 million next summer because it doesn't look as though he's going to sign a new deal. Now, if that's the price they're willing to pay to keep him for one more year, you know, I, I don't know where their long-term strategy is as a football club because it doesn't make any logical sense. Why would you cost yourself $30 million and improve what is ultimately your direct rival for your goal which is the league title etc etc it just doesn't feel right for this to be finished just yet so i do expect to hear i do expect to hear more around this how much more i don't know but like i say it, it's just it's the cre- it's just a, it's like a fucking soap opera like really isn't it it's a soap opera with this comments that's been making and all it is. Yeah, well, but, I mean, ha- but hang like, on, it reaches a point where it starts to become negative. You know, if you're a young player and you see a guy, like you know, obviously, <laughs> oh well, well, we'll leave those to the side for them. And that's 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 somebody else's problem, not ours. Um, but you know what I mean. If, if you're RB Leipzig, who are looking to to, to bring in young talent, improve them, uh, and so on, and start to create. You know, you've got you've got a guy like Keita sitting there. We've offered eighty million. We're going to treble his wages. This is obviously his desire and his ambition is to, to, to go to the, what he sees as a bigger club. That's, that's open to interpretation. But, you know, if you're an agent or you're a player and you go, well, here, if I go there, I could, I could be stuck there against my wishes. There's another side to this one. Ali, do you want, you want to take it? Well, it's, it's not a good... I mean, even the way... I know, like Neil's saying, it's the way Southampton want to run the story as well with that. But even, like, if the Van Dyke deal wasn't to come off, and it was a similar situation. It doesn't look good for either club, and it and it will hamper them in the future because both clubs are going to be stepping stones for bigger clubs and bigger opportunities. And as you say, trebling a player's wages when you think of how young Kate is, I mean that's big money for him that can set him up for life. And worst case scenario, you know anything was to happen to him and his career's cut short. So nobody's going to look at these clubs on a positive light going forward, player wise anyway. You know, other clubs will look at them like, oh, yeah, fair play, you know, holding your stance. But as Dave says, I mean, what what sort of business are you running when you're allowing somebody to leave for 30 million less a year later? Yeah, it's an odd one because if they, I mean, Southampton, you mentioned they were Van Dyke. They've been a route for, for a lot of players now over the last few years, you know, to come in, play a season there, season and a half there and, and get a move. Do, do well, play a good start of football improve, play under a good coach and then get a move to a bigger club. If they become seen as more of a, a club that um, doesn't want to do that anymore but yet can't really offer that that step to, you know, that, that next level, they can't really be competing in Europe on a regular basis. They're still going to finish 7th or 8th in the Premier League just because the level of competition above them is better. You know, all ends up bigger clubs, uh, more money, and, and so on and so forth. Some other club will come in 
and fill that void or a couple of the other clubs will come in and fill that void and become that stepping stone and use that model that Southampton have, have used well. And Leipzig, Leipzig to an extent the same. I mean, you can dig your heels in and hold this guy forever. But I mean, two years ago, nobody had heard of Red Bull Leipzig outside of Germany. I think that that's a that's a pretty um pretty safe bet to make. Now, as Nid said, they're all over everyone's lips. They're pretty. I mean, they're one of the t- until the Neymar thing for a couple of weeks. The Kaida story was the biggest saga this window. So Leipzig were all over the all over the news. The Red Bull name is is very very prominent and all the rest of it, and so that's great. But there does come a point where people say too much. They say the wrong things. Over Egan. Uh, yeah, overrated, dude. Yeah, and and it and it sort of then takes on a a life of its own and, and kind of spirals, and that does look bad for the club. It is it's a risky game to play because you, you can have a lot of money, but if if the best young talents don't want to go to you because they think, um, well, actually, some other there there are better there are better clubs for my progression out there than you, um, then you may find yourself in a bit of trouble, especially as you, you, you really are the new boy still. You know, you have to kind of cement it a bit. And I don't know, it seems to be moving away from their model because they are Red Bull are kind of club that uh, their, their franchises tend to be. They look for young talent, you know, they, they develop and they buy low and they do sell high. So this would be a big departure and it wouldn't make sense because, as Dave said, it's inevitable that he goes to Bayern Munich if he stays this year and goes next year. Champions League for them, like you, you live in Germany, Neil. You know, obviously, Champions League. You've no idea. They've they've no pedigree in it. They could they could surprise us, but they could just as easily flop completely in in the Champions League. It could be a, you know a, a, raising the bar just that bit too high too soon for them. Well, it could be. I mean, because outside of Bayern, even even uh, the the kind of well, I suppose Dortmund have done quite well here and there over the last few years. But outside of those, those big two, the other German clubs haven't fared so well when they've gotten in. Um, the Wolfsburgs, um, the Leverkusen and so on in recent times haven't, have, have just found that, that level of competition that, uh, that bit too much. And it's taken them, a, well, Leverkusen, for example, it's taken them quite a long time to, to really establish um, any kind of pedigree in this kind of run of, the, of their qualifications. It's not. It's not a gimme. It's not a guarantee that the Leipzig are just going to trans transfer their their um their form in the Bundesliga uh, into the Champions League. Having said that, there'll be a bit like what Liverpool will be be hoping to do. There'll be a bit of the um well, they're not the the big teams aren't really going to know what to expect. We're going to go at them. We're going to press them high. It's going to be hot, high intensity. We're going to look to break. You know, we're going to be trying try and be as compact as possible. So they're going to play a brand of football that could be very effective. In Europe, you know, maybe, maybe as as was kind of alluded to pre-pod, maybe um, there are rumblings that maybe we will go back in with with a bigger bid, um, one final bid, perhaps once we kneel down uh, Champions League qualification or at any at any rate before the end of end of the window. No, indeed, and you know, I'll I'll come to Neil on the next one. You know, to to the confound matters now. Uh, this this horrible, disgusting Neymar deal appears to be going ahead, and, and the less I want to talk about that, the better. But you know, Barca seem to be coming, according to the British press, anyhow. Barcelona seem to be coming with a hundred million for Coutinho. Um, just to confound matters, you know, of already bad window. Your thoughts? I don't see it happen. Uh, there's people saying that Barcelona are confident they're going to have it done by Monday to to present them with some trophy or some shit. I, can't, I don't know. I don't pay attention to Barcelona too much. I just don't see it happening. I just 
Phil's not the type of player, he doesn't seem like the type of player who would go on strike or anything to force a move. He seems pretty happy where he is, pretty settled. As we were saying in the pre-pod, he's, he's not the type to go out partying and stuff like that. He's not, he's pretty it's a young family to upheaval as well, you know? Yeah, if this was going to be done, it would have been done in June or July. It's too late in the window for us to to replace him. Although I've said in the past that I don't really have a problem with, I don't, see replacing Phil as a problem too much but it's the statement that it puts out that we are a selling club doesn't suit but my, my main grievance with this problem is that Barcelona are not the Barcelona of 2009 this is a aging Barcelona team this is an end of an era and yep. Phil Coutinho going there isn't going to spark anything new for them so he's go. it's it's arguably a step down I'm not saying that Barcelona are a lesser club than us or whatever but we're a club on the rise and they're a club on the decline. He's kind of jumping ship at the wrong time. It's not like when Suarez went and they had their last soiree into the Champions League. It's not like that. Look, Suarez and Messi will be 31 this season. They're not getting any younger. As I said earlier, Busquets is starting to wane a bit in his powers. Iniesta is going to go. Javi's already away. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't even get why he would go next year because... If he was smart, he would look at the situation and go, I'll wait another year, I'll see what business Barcelona do. And if Barcelona do something a bit special in the next year or whatever, then yeah, I can I can go. He, he holds all the cards, and Liverpool hold all the cards. And I just don't, I don't think Jurgen Klopp would make a stupid statement so definitive of he's not going anywhere, and then for us to turn around and sell him from out under him. The same way that that's the argument that there are. RB Leipzig are having over Kieta is the fact that they're afraid that their director, their sporting director is going to leave if they sell him. So surely FSG would be looking at it and going, well, if we sell Coutinho from out under Klopp, he's going to be pretty niffed. And I would say, I might go. And after all the fuss of getting him, that would be exactly kind of productive. And it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I know, I know you, you live in Brazil and you maybe have even, even more insight into this because as you say, a transfer of a Brazilian to Barcelona over there is big news. So you you would know more than even the British press that are basically bullshit merchants. Well, put it like this: the British press have all these stories. Like me sitting in Brazil, there, there's a very funny scenario going on. There was very very little about the, the, the Neymar deal. You know, in the last two weeks, in the last two days, it's, it's exploded. And I'm talking about reliable outlets here in Brazil because they don't want to think about Neymar leaving Barcelona because Barcelona, to the, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona to Latin countries is the pinnacle of football. Your players go there. It's something, it's a matter of pride. And the silence on the Phil Coutinho side from Brazil, it, I remember Neymar uh, in 2013 and it was even 2012 here, um, you know, the fanfare started about him going there and the possibility of him going there. And it was nonstop. And I can tell you, Coutinho's profile in Brazil ha- in the last 12 months has raised you, you, remarkably you know, I started doing pods for Anfield Index and nobody knew who he was in Brazil. Phil Coutinho is very, very close. Him and Gabi Jesus are catching Neymar in popularity because the people here identify with them more than their lifestyle. They're a bit more humble than the likes of Neymar. And the fact that I have heard zero from ESPN Brazil, zero from, from Global, uh, who, who broke the Firmino news to us, and they're not even wanting to comment on it. And I think that that speaks volumes. If there was a real sort of appetite there for the player to go, uh, because, again, in Brazil, they would know the families and whatnot. They would have insights into the families, and there would be bits and pieces of information passing. Neil, there is nothing. Zip. 
there's the odd gutter press, but you don't take that. You know, it's, it's the same as you know our own uh, back home. But there's nothing any reliable news outlet has if, spoken if about. It, if you just look at it logically, he would be taking a pay cut to go to Barcelona because they don't pay the same wages that we do. They their whole model on attractive players is about oh we're Barcelona more than club and all that stuff. It's pinnacle football, as you say. We'll court you in the media and make you a visa and a superstar. But we will pay you less because they don't pay big wages. The other thing as well is Barcelona won the equivalent of what Arsenal won last year. That's not very far away from what we're, we're hoping to challenge for next year. We're hoping to challenge for the league next year, hopefully, and a few cups. Barcelona are hoping to do that. We're probably going to be in the Champions League next year. Barcelona are going to be in the Champions League next year. There's no selling point of Barcelona to go there other than, as you say, just to as in Latin America, is the, the pinnacle of football is to be Barcelona. And if Barcelona are so keen on him, they've probably said to him, well, we'll take you next. We've heard all along that they would act. They were keen on him. We were going to try this year, and then I couldn't get him this year again next year. What is the impetus to move? I just don't see it. And what is the impetus for us to sell? Because it's August now, and we're not going to be able to replace him. Dave, think, yourself? Yeah, I think one of the one of the phrases the clock continues to use is keeping the group together. And... For me, there's no strategy there for replacing Coutinho this year or selling Coutinho this year. If the owners are going to sell Phil Coutinho, and you, know, you can imagine, you can imagine that eventually it, it, it may happen. But you know, I, I tend to agree with Neil. Whereas you know, he was talking about, is it a step up? Is it a step down? You'll probably find out in two, three years. Is it a step up or a step down? And you might find if he goes to Barcelona now, in three years' time, it might look at it as a step down. It's a strange kind of scenario, given where we were only a couple of years ago, both the clubs. But I just don't see the sense in it happening for any party right now, other than Barcelona. World Cup uh, year as well, Dave. We continue to put his place on the on the national team ahead of a move to Barcelona, and that's a huge factor in this, also. Yeah, well, I think you know he's he's captained this country recently, and he's achieving what he wants to achieve with this country. And they love him. Liverpool. They love him. Yeah, so you know if if he's doing that at Liverpool, his family are here. He's settled. He's in a team of the rise. He's going to be one of the stars of the side. He's he's potentially going to play more, uh, more so in a position that he prefers next season. Um, you know, it's it, all of the uh, uh, things that we mentioned before. It just makes absolutely no sense at all. But we see this with Barcelona. We've seen it the last the last lot of years where. When, when they try to sign a player, the, this type of thing almost starts the year before. We saw it with Suarez, is a good example. Fabregas is another example. When they start releasing things into the press and things like that, the, the season before, to kind of turn the player's head, give them a season, make the selling club realise that this is, this is going to come and maybe they should start to prepare for the departure so that when the time comes when they want to make a bid that everybody's a bit more prepared for it. So th- that might be what we're seeing with these these little sporadic kind of rumours that are flying around. But I suppose we'll, we'll wait and see. And ultimately, the decision's going to lie with the player at the end of the day. So we'll see where we are if, if the time comes, um, what he feels like doing. Ali, yourself, I know you, you're, you were on the Cell Coutinho bandwagon uh, for a while. You know, at this moment in time, 2nd of August, it doesn't seem like a good idea. No, not now. I'm still on the, I, I wouldn't lose sleep if we sold Phil Coutinho, but it makes no sense now because we can't get the replacements in. 
and you can't trust Liverpool to get them in, in a, over a full summer, let alone within less than a month to go. Do I still think if we got a big enough offer, say a month ago, yeah, I'd have took it happily. I think we could have replaced them, or maybe not replaced him per se, but made the squad and team better with a couple of signings. Um, it's whether we can do the replacing, not really the losing uh, Coutinho part. But I just think it doesn't make any sense now. It's just too late in the window. We're not enough time, unless obviously there's loads hidden behind scenes that we didn't know about. Um, but it just it does make no sense whatsoever that way. But you've got to look at another way. If clubs like K- say Kata and uh, Red Bull are looking at us like, well, they're not going to sell Coutinho because they need him. Well, it's the same as what they're doing really with, with Kata. The only difference is the, is the release clause, which is the one that doesn't make sense when you look at it that way. Uh, and the player openly admitting that he wants to come to a certain club. You know, we, we, at no point well, have we heard yeah. Phil Coutinho ever say. We've seen Neymar... Have, during the time he's been with the, the Brazilian national team, you know, intimating that Barcelona should call Coutinho and so on. But you know, there, there, there's also rumours about you know the only reason he's going to PSG is to be with his mate Danny Alves. So you know, but never did Coutinho respond to that, Ali. Never, never did he say you know his, his you know with with Suarez we knew. We knew that Suarez had an aspiration, a real deep desire to play for Barcelona. Uh, so it was no surprise to us. But with Phil, you don't know what he's thinking. 100%. I mean, even with Suarez, Suarez just had that desire just to leave. He, Suarez was just a twat. Like, people seem to forget that he tried to force a move away to Arsenal when they, they laud him. But with, with Phil, we've never had that. As you say, he's been the ultimate professional, really, for us. Seems settled. I mean, the, the relationship him, Firmino and Moreno have it just seems incredible. It's so fun to watch on social media and Snapchat and that. Um, so, as you say, he just seems completely settled. He's got a he's got a young child now as well, so born over here. and The whole family will just be settled. So it makes no sense on all parts, as Neil says. I mean, I'm from in the, the camp that Barca are getting worse and, and we are on the way up and hopefully further up as they, they continue to plummet. Chief? yourself uh, you know I, I i keep harking back to the you know it's world cup year and this country has a real desire to put right what went wrong in 2014 in russia and, and i think that i th- i just don't think phil will go this year as well just because of that world cup yeah well i think it's definitely a factor i mean you're taking a chance you're going to a club that as has been alluded to they are on the wane i mean they're obviously still good but you know they're feeling the pinch a little more they're feeling the the pressure a little more. It's not quite as easy for them as it once was. They're not. They don't still quite have the same, you know, the same magic that they had as a team when they were really at their at their pinnacle. You know, he may, he may be Brazilian, but he, he he may be Latin, whatever. You know, have the desire to go and play for the the top teams as as are seen on that continent. But he, he also did. knows failure with his time at Inter, uh, which which could be a factor in that now. And he went a bit too young, to be honest, to such a big club. He made the move to Italy and uh, it, under Rafa, Rafa that took him there. And unfortunately, when Rafa got the boot all too quickly at Inter, it, it didn't really work out for him. So he's known that. But, you know, I think the World Cup is important because, as, as uh, Dave said earlier, he's achieving what he wants for his country or as far as his international um, aspirations go by playing at Liverpool and since playing at Liverpool. And people talk about, oh, Neymar's a good mate or whatever. I mean, obviously him and Bobby seem to get on pretty well, like, as, you know, I and mean, those two love playing together. So, you know, you, you've got that. He's doing what he wants. He's captained his country already this year. He's getting the recognition, as, as you've mentioned. 
in earlier that's it's real now that's coming from from the people in Brazil you know they respect him they know who he is he's a, he's a household name he's becoming the golden boy I think to be honest he's becoming becoming and growing into the hours as well like I think he's he is getting better every season there are still times that um, he frustrates you but you can really see that he, he, he is maturing and he is there is progression every season so I mean I think as far as that goes, it makes much more sense to keep him for another year as an integral member of your of your team. The other thing is he's he, he's on a five year contract, or isn't he, or a long contract anyway, which he's which he's only just signed. So there's no um, there's no danger of the value dropping really over the next season. So we stay, we're still in a very strong position next year. The way the transfer fees are going this year, um, as <laughs> as you can't get away from. His price could be astronomical. Well, you know, to me, the starting figure should be 150 million. Let's yeah. let's talk from there because so, if this Neymar deal goes through, that's that's where it puts him. Yeah. yeah. So fair enough. Neymar deal goes through, it puts him at 150 million, right, this season. But we have no no need to sell. And FSG know that if he puts in a similar season for Liverpool this this year, or, or better, you say he scores 15, 16 league goals, 14, 15 assists, whatever. He has a he progresses at that at that rate that he has been. Then he goes to the World Cup with Brazil and is a standout performer for them in a successful campaign. Not necessarily winning the cup, but uh, you know getting the semis, whatever. What's his price then? What's his value then? Which they and they still have him for for three or four years on a contract. For me, it doesn't make business sense even at 150 million this year. Uh, and and the World Cup plays a factor in that. Of course, you can say what if he breaks his leg or whatever, but. You can't, you can't really look at it like that, I don't think. Having said that, it would be a massive return on your investment of eight and a half million if you, if you sold them for 150 million. It really does depend on where, where you want to go as a club and, and what message you want to send out, how, what, what, what your deal is with, with your manager. Is he going to stand for it as, as was talked about? So there's so many things in this. For him to go this summer would seem it would seem folly. It would seem like we were shooting ourselves in the foot, especially at this stage. No matter what the fee. Anybody else want to jump in? Uh, just on the, the Neymar deal, I know you don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> I just think it's. I find it disgusting. Pathetic. I just find it. Yeah. I find it an affront. Yeah, people are afraid or saying, "Oh well, now August prices are going to be inflated." I don't think that'll be the case at all. So we were discussing beforehand was like. You, you, everyone remembers Ronaldo went for 80 odd million it took another 4 years for another player to go for the same fee and then it took another 2 or 3 years after that for it to now become the normal fee so I wouldn't expect fees to be rising to 200 million in this August just going to fly but um, but that that under level if this goes at, at 200 what's the name ordeal? at 300 million? 222 million 222 million that's fine but you could Quite easily see Mbappe go at 180, and that still would have been unheard of before this this summer. So it's 40 yeah. million below, but it's still quite conceivable. And then you may see next summer that it's quite it's quite normal for for 140 or 150 million to be the to be a fee for for a very good but, player. But do you not so feel forth. there's a big difference between a Neymar? I'm I'm, I'm no fan. Um, of Neymar, but there's a huge difference in in you know he he's done it for X amount of years, where Mbappe hasn't. You know you're you're buying potentially so the, the weight of expectation at, at at Real Madrid could be too much for a player like that. You know I think that the the, the hundred eighty or whatever they're talking about in Mbappe represents much more of a risk than it does for a Neymar. 
Oh, it definitely does. I mean, it's mad that an 18-year-old could cost that much because, I mean... Neymar, I think Neymar's right. best years are behind him. So I actually think that I would Mbappe, agree. Mbappe deal is probably a better deal. It's not do. about football anymore, Neil. I think that's the thing for me with, with Neymar. From what I see here, the oh, football yes, has suddenly su- some suddenly become secondary to the brand, and you know he he has aspirations to be the best player in the world. I don't think they're going to be met in, at, at PSG, and that's no offense to PSG. I'm not I'm, I'm not buying that. I heard Tim Vickery say earlier on today that Neymar's ultimate aspiration is is to become World Player of the Year, and doesn't necessarily feel that he can do that if he isn't even the best player at the club that he's at. So Moving club is, doesn't change that, Dave. You understand what I mean? Like, you know, well, just because moving, he's a PSG doesn't make him better than Messi. No, it doesn't make him better than Messi, but it, it, it enables him to take on more responsibility than Messi. It enables it enables him to become more of a focal point. But and, if you yeah. watch him for the Brazilian national team, you realise what, what a bad thing that actually is. Well, be that, that as it, horrific. Be that as it, yeah, be that as it may, Dave. But the point I'm trying to make is this: you know, that there's obviously some kind of thought process behind it. It can't just all be about the money. The it thing is. about the tran- well, the thing about the transfers, which I find just mental, is those buyout clauses. They're designed not to be bought out. They're designed at figures where that no one's going to pay that. So. Let's just stick it at like some ridiculous amount of money that no one's ever going to come and pay. And then PSG just came along and did it. Just out of nowhere, just more than doubled the... It's not even the, able to do that either, technically. Technically, I, I, I get that, but those fees, they're, they're not designed against a player's value. They're designed to stop people buying them and someone but just... But this, is the, the, this deal, Dave, this, this deal, Dave, is designed to promote Qatar and principally... 2022 World Cup. It's all intertwined. Yeah, I, I totally understand that, but I, it's on Chief's point that, you know, I, I'm kind of swaying one way or the other as to how this will change the market ultimately, the way the way Ronaldo's did. I, I, I just don't I just don't know. Um, I'm sure buyout clauses are going to be a fucking hell of a lot higher from now on, I can tell you that much. The buyout thing, the fact that the way this is done is, is that it is a buyout clause. I see I take your point, but the Mbappe one's a one for me. If that goes ahead, which it looks like it probably probably will now by by what we're hearing, you know, in light of the Neymar deal. If that does go ahead at hundred even at hundred and fifty or hundred and sixty million, it's completely changed the, the transfer landscape. Yeah, that'll be crazy because they were talking what, seventy million four weeks ago. Exactly. We were you know, we were looking at Van Dyke and going sixty million, sixty five million, okay. It's a centre back, so different but it's less than half or it's a third of what they're talking about for Mbappe like here's one final question I'm going to go around the table with this one if it was Lionel Messi that was the subject of this bid would the debate and, and revulsion be as strong uh, Chief Faraway no principally no he's 31 years old you could say he'd he, he done all his um, he'd he done all his work at Barca he'd been a one club man you know people, people would just and plus he's the most loved the player ever. No, ever but I'm talking just on sheer talent and whatnot. I think it it, it it dilutes the debate certainly because he, you know, you could nearly go oh, 200 million to get Messi. Oh, that you know, it's still expensive. Yeah. But you're buying. But the on best terms of the, the best. talent, what dropping himself down to 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 a different club? Well, obviously it is a drop down because the league is a drop down, and and there's nothing that PSG can do about that. They can only win that league because because they're French. But. You know, they've never won the Champions League. Barcelona have won it how many times, you know? And while you're playing 
at Barca, you're always in messy shadow while he's there. You're going to be in messy shadow while he's there, no matter how good you are and what you do. And it's all fun and games to be part of that club where everyone's like, yeah, we're all just really good for each other. We, you know, assist each other and it's all, we're all just friends. But as Dave said, like Neymar and what we know about Neymar, he's got personal ambition and he feels that he wants to, wants to further himself. By being able to be in the spotlight, so he's given himself enough enough rope, isn't he? So um, he, he he's backing himself, but but dropping down, there's there's no doubt that it is a drop down on your your week to week football. Like can't really argue with that. But I mean, it, it seems to be happening. So maybe there is you know method behind the madness, as as Dave sort of uh, alluded to earlier. Ali, yourself, you know, back to back to the debate of if it's messy, you know, like I, I, at times I see Neymar as the 21st century George Best without uh, alcohol, if you know what I mean. But you know, the lifestyle took over in the football secondary. But for Messi, I don't think we can, you know, it's a diluted debate, surely. No, not at all. The Messi now, he can't be spending that. Have you had said Ronaldo Messi five years ago with the form that you'd get for the the next five year? Then that 200 million's nothing. But would you, Messi now, even the Neymar makes more sense than Messi at this point because you're going to get longer out of him. And, and I think Neymar's one of the most overrated players in the world. But I could understand spending that money on the Messi name, but he's just at that, again, he's another one. It's time for, and he'll still be head and shoulders above everybody, but he's still on that decline from where he was five years ago, as is Ronaldo. It's a difficult, it's a difficult one. Would it be reviled as much? Is, is that your question? Yeah, more or less. I, I, I think Messi, you get away with I'm not saying it's right in any shape or form, but you get away with it. I think if it happened, if it was Messi now, then absolutely. I think, you know, Neil, Neil hit the nail on the head. You know, he, he's, he's achieved everything with that club. He's, he's won God knows how many titles with them. He's achieved what he wants to achieve personally. He's broken every fucking record going. If it was Messi five years ago... Yeah, that would be that would be strange. That would be very strange, particularly the way that he was thought of by by the national fans and and you know being known as the Catalan and things like that. And but I don't know. It, it, it's a good question. It's a good question. If it was similar circumstances five years ago, I don't know. But again, why would you have wanted to leave that club five years ago? Fair point. And we'll ask somebody who's in the know, Neil Devlin. Finally, what is this crap? <laughs> <laughs> Just winding you up. <laughs> Simply no, I don't think it would. Mainly, as she says, because because Messi has achieved everything at going at Barcelona. If he wanted to move to PSG, everyone wouldn't. Be, nobody begrudge him that move. They would get why he's doing it. He's getting older. Probably the drop down in quality actually maybe suit him. It probably extend his career possibly. So I don't think it would be as refined. Also, everybody is so far up Messi's arse. There is teeth at this stage. So nobody would ever say anything bad about Messi. And everyone would look at it as PSG are getting this superstar brand that is Messi. Messi is everything, he is football. As much as Neymar wants to be that, I don't think Neymar is that. Yeah, Neymar, he's good, but as Ali says, I think he's very overrated. He is overrated. Neymar's actions will define his brand. Ultimately, a superstar, their actions define their brand more so than their sporting achievements. And players like Messi and Ronaldo don't do things like this. Do you know what I mean? Like when when Ronaldo moved from Man United to Real Madrid, there was a clear career progression there. And that could be seen by everybody. Everybody looks at this Neymar deal and goes, it's about money. It's not about sporting success. 
And if Messi moved from Barcelona to PSG, people would look at it as a sporting decision. They wouldn't look at it as a money decision, and that's probably the ultimate disconnect. And that's what would define why one we would see one of it as disgusting, whereas the other one we would go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Because PSG get the superstar, Messi gets the next challenge. Yeah, that works out. Now it looks like Neymar's in his prime and he's moving purely for money. A lot of money. And it's looking like he's going to get 40 million a year and a 78 million pound sign on bonus. It's just disgusting, really. Right, well, listen, we'll leave it there. We, 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 this, is, this is a like the official debut in World Football Index, and we've gone into the world of football. We've left Liverpool behind. My goodness, that's a, that's, a, that's a new one for us. But listen, before we go, I'll take a run around the table. Stick with you, Neil Devlin. Where can we not find you on Twitter? Because you don't want followers, we know. But sure, plug away. You can find me in Graham Kelly's mentions, and then you can <laughs> pop me a follow request <laughs> to see what me and Graham are talking about, and then you can stop talk. Then you can stop following me again when you realise that we're actually just talking about sandwiches. <laughs> Fuck, if one never stops in your house, I'll tell you. Yeah. Dave Dunning, I've mi- I've missed a good plug. What are, what am I going to plug this week? Far away. I'm going to plug uh, Neil Devlin's Twitter handle, which is <laughs> at Purple Man. <laughs> 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 so yeah that, that's all for me tonight Dave thanks and where, and where can we find you can you remember not right now okie dokie well you'll be tagging the post Ali yourself what, what have you got on uh, where can we find you just at Ali Thompson 84 on Twitter nothing going on at the moment and Chief I'm not going to ask you if you're writing anything because I'm tired of it I've two years now you've never written a fucking thing like <laughs> where can we find you on Twitter uh, yeah, you can find me at Neil nineteen eighty. So yeah, I'm, I'm not even gonna let you. I'm not gonna write. So, <laughs> Dave, Dave, isn't it like that? Isn't it like that thing? Do you know when you get into a taxi and you're like the taxi driver? See you busy the night. What's uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, dear? Anyhow, it's, it's like you know the other Northern Ireland thing. You, you always talk about the weather. I think it's a British thing. And you know, whenever you come here, it's you've got no conversation opener. You can't talk about the weather because it's the same thing every day. It's kind of mad. But listen, Pretty from my own point of view. Well, it's been raining for four weeks, so a bit of therapy for you guys. It's been raining for 28 <laughs> years of my life, Dave. <laughs> well, we all make choices. We all make choices. It's raining every, every day I was home, or five days. Welcome to the world. Right, listen, from, from WFI's point of view, just posted a Mexican pod. I uh, have a great Arsenal pod out there uh, with Tim Stillman, which is really, really informative for their season coming forward. The pods are sort of slowly but surely uh, dripping back in again with a brand new pod on Portugal, which is going to be a regular weekly going forward. I would urge you to check that out uh, as a preview of the season, what the teams in Portugal have, got, have done over the over the summer so far. So you maybe want to check that one out. Other than that, just a massive thanks to the guys one last time. Thanks to the listener. And until the next one, which we hope won't be as long, it's goodbye. And the people bound sign flashed out its warning in the words that it was forming and the sign said the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls tenement halls and whispers